You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast. Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 249 of the Black Eagles Podcast. And I'm your host, Sinan Schwarting, live from New York City. That's right. The night before the Knicks season officially kicks off this season being the one where we finally win the championship our third in history no i'm kidding of course folks uh, and i won't talk about the knicks i know this is a basic Taj podcast we're here to talk football i get it i get it but i am excited and of course i don't think the knicks are going to win the championship either i'm not that delusional but i do expect a fun season there just as I anticipate we should be having a pretty fun season with Besiktas, even though I know folks are skeptical at the moment. I'm still hopeful. We're still in the thick of it. Um, And of course, what we're here to talk about this week is the big match. Uh, At this early stage of the season, I think we can all agree, perhaps the biggest match of the season thus far, Besiktas hosting Trabzonspor in the Vodafone Park. Can't get bigger than that. The champions of last season. Granted, aside, struggling a little bit this season. Um, at, at least relative to last season. You know, not in the grand scheme of things, but nonetheless, a huge match. And of course, that's what we're here to talk about, folks. Let's do it. Operation is in effect as of right now. That's right. So, as I mentioned, I said that Trabzon had been struggling a little bit. And of course, I mean that in the grand scope of things, like as far as the whole season goes. Um, And I don't want to dive too far into the the standings, but needless to say, we'll get there at the end of the episode, first of all. And second of all, they were toiling somewhat mid-table-ish, you know, beneath us. Um, Though granted, things are still early and they're only a point behind. But that point, you know, relegated them into an entirely different you know, tier of teams. So, um, despite that, it's probably worth mentioning that their actual recent form was actually quite solid. And let's obviously talk a little bit about that. Um, They struggled, right? They drew Galatasaray, Copenhagen, like getting out of the Champions League, uh, struggled to beat Umranie, lost to Ferenc Varos in their first Europa League match. Last to Adana Demirspor on September 12th, and that would when that would be when things would take a turn. Um, September 15th, Europa League victory against Serena Zvezda. Still a little struggles, but uh, the next match would be in the Super League. They would defeat Gaziantep, who, if folks recall, had a good start, beating them three to two. And then October rolls around. They come up against Kayserispor and win on the road. One to two. 
I mean, you'll note these matches are not ever easy the way that, you know, a champions might be or one might expect. But they're scrapping out victories. Um, then they come up against Monaco, lose 3-1 to one in France, granted. Uh, and that's where things like, oh, you know, maybe things will get back to where they, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll be deflated before our match. And then sure enough, they followed it up with a draw at home against Kasim Pasha, which is quite unflattering, right? And so now we're like licking our chops. <laughs> we're ready for these suckers. Uh, but unfortunately, they get a big bounce midweek. They play Monaco at home and undeservedly, for the most part, they win 4-0 and undeserved insofar as um, I, I don't think they dominated their opposition to the, to the extent that they earned a four goal advantage by any stretch. Um, the game was fairly even as far as like possession and you know, I think it was like 17 shots to 15 in favor of Monaco. Yeah, ring the alarm, folks. There was a robbery. <laughs> Thank you, New York City, for um, providing me some sound effects for my episode here. It's rare that that pans out. And of course, now that sign's going to keep going and run its welcome out. But let's talk through it. Um, but so, yeah, a big, 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 big victory for Trabzon coming into our match. Uh, certainly a morale uplifter, which is. You know, poorly timed, I think we could all agree. Um, head to head, let's talk a little bit about what happened last year where uh, in November of last year, similarly, I guess about a month later, but nonetheless, Trabzon would defeat Besiktas in Istanbul, one to two. Um, that was the beginning of the end for um, Sergen Yalcin at that point. Um, and then later on in the year in Trabzon, we would scrape out a one-to-one draw. Valentin Rosier uh, drawing us level on the 71st. So, uh, you know, a draw or a win in Istanbul represents progress over last season. Granted, uh, we have to get at least a draw on the road to equal that. So, um, that's a low bar, obviously. Uh, but obviously, also, just as it begun to signal the end for Sergen Yalcin, uh, a loss against Trabzonspor would certainly do the same for Valerian Ismail. So, what would happen? Um, one other side note here, I guess, that's I, I thought was quite interesting. Um, our last 28 matches against Trabzonspor, that's as far back as my little app here goes, Fatmab. But Best Josh has 10 wins, Trabzonspor has 9 wins, and there are 9 draws. So there's almost equal likelihood for a win, a draw, or a loss going over our last 28 matches. So this is becoming quite the sort of rivalry, if you will. Certainly, like, as far as parity and all that goes. So, um, you know, interesting. Very interessante. Um, but so, yeah, let's, let's dig in more. Let's talk about this match, I suppose. Lineups. First of all, let's do them quickly. Uh, Urujan Chakir, of course, their keeper, 26-year-old in the in their net, minding their net. Uh, Vitor Hugo, 31-year-old Brazilian, next to 31-year-old Spaniard Mark Bartha uh, on their back line. Jens Striger Larsen, 31-year-old Danish right back, opposite 22-year-old Turk 
Eren or Evren Eren El Mali. Um, so you know, that's uh, an interesting sort of note. Three 31 year olds on that back line. Apologies for my phone sounds there. Uh, don't go check in your phones. That was me. And I uh, silenced it right after that happened. Yasin, if you're listening, bad timing, pal. Um, but so yeah, Ev uh, Eden El Mali is the one young option on their back line. Um, as far as their midfield goes, they play three sort of central midfielders with Marek Hamšík, 35-year-old Slovakian, um, on the outside alongside Anastasios Bakasetas, 29-year-old Greek, with Jean-Philippe Gbamin, 27-year-old Ivorian central midfielder in the middle. And then on their wings, of course, Trezeguet, the 28-year-old Egyptian, opposite Abdul Kadir Omur, 23-year-old Turk, who, um, you know, not really showing us any of the, the flash that marked his early career. Maybe injuries caught up to him and he's playing more cautiously, you know, wishing the best for him, obviously, but not for his side. Uh, and then in the middle, Maxi Gomez, 26-year-old Uruguayan. I didn't realize he was only 26. But so, yeah, that's who Trabzon brought out. And now let's talk about our home side. Besiktas. Okay, uh, Ersin Destanolu in the goal. Um, our 21-year-old. Right? Fun fact. Still quite young. Quite an upward trajectory. That's possible for the kid. Anyone writing him off should stop. Uh, and the back line, of course, 22-year-old Tayyip Talha Sanuch. Next to, folks, Francisco Montero, 23-year-old Spaniard. Uh, everyone knows I'm a big fan of my guy Montero. Hashtag Montero season. Let's go. Um, with Roman Saiz down and then Emrejan Uzunhan, we needed that left-footed central defender. People assuming the worst that, oh, he's going to slide. You know, Sanuch over there and bring in, um, you know, like Nejip or something on the other side or Wellington. But no, sure enough, we got Montero. And I'm just going to say this before we even dive in. Spoiler alert. Montero had a fantastic match. Um, not only defensively where he did quite well. And we'll talk about how things panned out. But anything that went against us, I don't think it was um, like designed by any stretch. We'll talk about that obviously as well. But... Um, at that point, I also mean it's not like the defense didn't break down or anything like that. The defense actually was quite solid. There were just two real goofball errors that, and there were actually three goofball errors. Joseph's didn't translate into anything in the end, but um, yeah. Anyhow, Montero, a young back line there with, of course, 26-year-old Frenchman Valentin Rosier on the right side, opposite 28-year-old Congolese Arthur Masuaku. Uh, on our back line of our midfield, uh, rather, you have Joseph de Souza and kind of Sali Uchan, you know, where he lays there depends on how you view it, but I think he's a little bit advanced above Joseph. And then, of course, Dele Ali as the sort of 10, 26-year-old Englishman playing ahead of the two. Uh, Rashid Ghazal back in the starting lineup uh, on the right side, 30-year-old Algerian, opposite 27-year-old Cameroonian Georges Cavant and Kudu, who was also back from uh, a bit of an injury spell there, and Wout Weghorst up top, the 30-year-old Dutchman. We all know. You know he's been a constant for us. Um, but so yeah, that's our lineup. No real surprises, obviously, you know, the two 
central defenders who we might expect to see injured, right? So, you know, obviously there's no shock that they were not there. Um, nice to see Montero out there, but that's the only kind of real change other than guys returning from injury. Like, for for the first time in a while, it looked like we were going to get to see our real, like, best attacking unit with Gazal, Belali, uh, Veghorst up there, and, and you know, debatably in Kudu, some might prefer Redmond, some might prefer um, Jackson Muleka, you know, but nonetheless, like, everyone available, right? So that was a spot of good news coming into the match, right? So I think a lot of us were feeling nervous, tentative, but hopeful that we might end up getting a result here. Let's talk about what happened. So right out of the gates, it was clear that this was not going to be an easy match. Drive Zone was pressing high, which we sort of anticipate, and obviously um, we experienced that with Fenerbahce. They pressed high, we had to kind of bend but not break and, and, you know, play a little bit more conservatively than anyone would have hoped. This was sort of true going on early with Trapezone as well. So it seems like we either have a fantastic first half and then a bad second half or the opposite. And you know, we only have like a good like 20 or 30 minutes. So we were, we were hoping for more than that in this one. Uh, and it was looking bad early on. Tenth minute. The first real chance of the match and a goal. Uh, corner kick from Bacasetas, very well placed in their defense. But it finds Maxi Gomez, and he heads it into the back of the net with such ease um, that clearly there's some sort of miscommunication on that play. Someone is not doing their job defensively, getting in front of two guys, in fact. If anything, Gomez was competing with his own man for that ball. Um, I hate to say it, but like, Taip Talha Sanuc was like about two feet behind both of them. I think maybe he needed to get out in front of them. Um, lots of just question marks on that. Clearly a goof though, a miscommunication or some lapse, some type of error that led to uh, a one guy not being in position to, to be sort of competing for that header at the end of the day. And I don't know what accounted for that. I, I, I tried to analyze it and I couldn't figure out who... Like, I'm not even entirely sure it was uh, Talha Sanuch in the end that, that should be held responsible because there were a number of guys in that area uh, and nobody... It was weird. Just no one got in front of the def, of, of the, the two of them. I don't know if... The, I, again, it just seemed like a, a sort of brain fart, if you will. And I'm not... I think that's clean enough. I don't have to beep it. Um, anyway. And so, yeah, they're, they're off to the races. Nil to one. Undeserved, I would say, for the most part. It was really back and forth, but we were not, like, too exposed or anything like that. But they got their goal. And immediately, I think a lot of us were like, uh-oh. You know, if the one area we've struggled is scoring and we're out, out to an early deficit, that's concerning, right? And sure enough, 16th minute, another corner kick by Bacazetes. It finds Vitor Hugo. This time there's a little more resistance. And it's an easy save for Essen, but right out of the gates, two chances. In the first, I'd say, 20 minutes, drop zone is the better side. And that is concerning. I mean, we're not lacking for effort, though, you know, or um, it's clear we can sort of turn turn things with relative ease, you know, on the counter at the very least. And sure enough, that's about where things would turn, where we'd start. You know, I think we got the fear in us a little bit, and that was good in this case. 23rd minute, Rashid Ghazal 
Nice ball to Dele Ali. Flicks it on well to Sally Uchan, whose pass looks sort of perfectly weighted, but Vout Vekors is slow to respond or just maybe generally slow, uh, which, you know, everyone has their weaknesses, right? Uh, but he's like a, a step behind and so again gets to it a little late. Um, and Urjan makes a pretty good reflex save with his leg in his defense. Um, again, Rob Vegas had a similar opportunity last week where he was like a step behind and couldn't get to it fast enough to turn what could have been an easy goal or at least, um, you know, opportunity for a big chance into less of one. But whatever, it is what it is. We all know that if Vegas gets the service required, he knows what to do with it and he can put it away. So, you know. Laying easy on the critique, if you will. It's fine. It's safe. It comes out to Dele Alli, interestingly. Um, it might have been flagged for Veghorst making contact with Urjan. I don't think it would have, uh, actually. But Dele Alli sails it over the bar casually. Um, did well to get there, in a way. But poor finishing on his part, no doubt. And so, yeah. Still down nil to one at home. And I think we're all unhappy. We've seen a big chance go against us. Whenever you miss a big chance, you know you're kind of almost gonna get bitten in the butt for it. In this case, we were bit beforehand, maybe, but. Um, again, 27th minute. This time it's Joseph who loses it really poorly, I'll add. Marta Kamsik, um gets the ball, passes it to, to Trezge who a lovely little flick on back to Marikamczyk who has space and sends the shot wide. That's right. Ring the alarm, folks. This is bad. They've had three big chances. Maybe not big, but three noteworthy highlights relative to our one. Uh, but just a minute later, uh, Rashid Gazal finds Valentin Rosier running forward. And you know, once you get that Rosier Gazal overlap, that's like that's our sweet spot right there. That's our that's our um, golden golden age, <laughs> if you will. But yeah, Rosier and Gazal with the interchange. Gazal, Rosier running onto it, sending it across that's so perfect. It's like first sort of criminal that nobody else gets onto it from our team, but then Striger Larson there right back gets onto it and it's almost like there's nothing that can be done besides putting it in the back of the net because of how well lacrosse came in. Bang, it's an own goal. Besiktas equalizes, which is uh, pretty huge, honestly, not gonna lie. Still very early in the game, 28th minute. Uh, we needed that, no doubt about it. Uh, Pacasetas gets a yellow card in the 32nd minute, but then, um, another long ball into the path of Maxi Gomez, and this time he puts it over the bar somewhat care, care, carelessly. I mean, it's not a great opportunity, honestly. It comes in at an awkward height. I just mentioned it because, you know, to be fair, it's like, right, I try to do all the highlights that are really worthy of, you know, noteworthy, and this was one because it was a pretty decent chance for them. And it echoes a sort of worrying thing about this first half, which is that I've, I've now mentioned uh, one, two, three, four noteworthy highlights for Trabzon to our two. Game is level here, and then the next one, a bit of a tragedy, in the 35th minute, Masuaku has the ball. One of the worst passes, one of the worst ideas I've ever seen 
on a football pitch. And maybe like this is the miscommunication where like when Roman Sice is there, he's usually playing back and in that role where he can receive this pass. And you know, Masuaku just sort of assumes. It's a bad assumption though. Um, definitely his fault. He literally passes it right to Trezeguet, who sort of a neat finish with power into the upper left corner, but uh, he could have gone anywhere with it. He didn't even need to be that fancy with it. And they have the lead again, one to two. And this is really tragic. We've now allowed two goals, one on a set piece that was like, clearly something went devastatingly wrong in communication. Someone forgot their role. You know, one error, and you can't say small error because it, it was a pretty big one, obviously, resulted in a goal. And then the second one, an even worse error, um, in, in in play, right, uh, where Masuaku just assists a goal, essentially, gives gives them a one-on-one. Trezeguet knows what to do with it. Um, I mean, look, Trabzon has been the stronger side, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they deserve their goal. We are notoriously a, a solid defensive side who can bend and not break, and we've done that as far as the actual play, you know, the course of play dictated. So the team was solid. That back line is not to blame. Uh, I was like bummed that like, what if we don't get a result here and everyone's like, oh, well, you know, Montero can't play anymore. And clearly like none of this was, again, it wasn't the fault of our defensive scheme or the individual players out there. It was just two hiccups, right? Two stupid brain farts by two individuals that would result, and I don't know who was responsible for that first one, but uh, that would result in two goals. And so, you know, even if we're not at our best attacking-wise, you can at least typically depend on us being pretty solid defensively. And so it was a shame that again, like, you know, it seems like all of our goals are just like wonder goals, right? That like everyone's blaming our keepers when in fact it's just, you know, we're on the bad, we're on the wrong side of some really bad luck. And I think XG has been very much uh, telling that same story. Not that I'm a you know super analytics guy or anything. But so there would be one last fun opportunity at the, uh, in this first half. It's 36 minute, Rashid Ghazal, just an A plus. You know, one of those line drive, like on a string crosses from deep right into the path of Veghorst. Struggles initially to bring it down, but he does well to put into the path of Valentin Lozier, who dribbles well with it and sends in a ball very nicely to Sali Uchan who I think, you know, I think Rosier's intended for him to like head it into the path of someone or do that, but instead he tries for a bicycle kick. And what's interesting, it's a fantastically executed one that should be a goal and Urjan, again, a nice reflex save with his leg, just kicks out and happens to get enough on it to steer it away from their, from their goal. And that was a legitimate chance. And we're not, at this point, it's us. Like we're, 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 basically running the game people called it a bit chaotic we were a little too reliant on crosses but like you know almost all of these chances so far are um not like careless haphazard crosses from deep like late channel Gonesh era ones but in fact higher up the pitch we've gotten behind their defense you know valentine was twice now um almost in the penalty box sending in low crosses um pretty decent construction though granted just on a couple highlights, you know, and it's not, I'll grant the, the critics, it's not like the way we've been playing at this point, you know, we haven't been doing enough of it. Um, 
And what's worse, the first minute of extra time in to, uh, to end the first half, Rashid Gazal comes off, pulling up lame, Nathan Redmond on for him, and Rashid Gazal is clearly injured. Now, supposedly, it's like a 10-day thing. He's just going to miss a match. We all know that that could be a three-month thing, given how he always seems to recover slowly. Knock on wood, right, that that's not the case. Um, it's such a shame. And really, it's a shame, I think, for all the critics out there of, of, of Valerian Ismail. We, certainly, there's, there's a lot to look at in terms of how we attack, how we build up. That there's a lot lacking in it, right? A lot of haphazard crossing, um, sort of ugly play, generally speaking. But you have to grant that we have literally not, we've been missing like at least two key players every match this season. And like this week, we finally got Gazal back. We only got him for a half. And, and Roman Seiss was out injured, right? There's always something missing. It's so annoying, frankly. Um, and and it's, it's stalled our development as, as an attacking unit, um, as a team in general, right? But it's also, you know, it's extended out this um, period of settling in to such an extent that it's it's taken off a lot of the luster for this season and it's slowed us down in ways that hopefully we can recover from but it's added a ton of controversy into the you know the twitter sphere and whatnot right people calling for valerian ismail's head um you know in large part that's because we haven't put together a good uh, attack and yes we've missed a bunch of key players and it means that we've had to rely on guys who came, like Nathan Redmond, right, who came quite late in the transfer window, and they have to adapt really quickly and settle in. So there's just almost more pressure being added to the situation. Granted, now things should start leveling out because guys have been around long enough that they're used to playing with us, to the crowd volume, to, you know, all of this stuff, hopefully to develop Valerian Ismail's, you know, fitness regimen and all that. So you'd expect things, even with guys like Gazelle now injured again and whatnot, you would hope that things would still start to settle down. Um, but again, like that's that's been a, a problem. And so I think for critics, they're seeing a flaw and they're not wrong to identify it. But perhaps they're also missing the bigger picture here, which is that like he's had a big disadvantage throughout with pieces missing and the pieces that are coming in to, to sort of uh, to substitute those missing pieces also being new pieces that need time to settle and it's just sort of a, a cluster F. I don't want to use the beep so let's just keep it clean. Anyway, second half. Um, 56th minute, so no real highlights initially. We came out well though, I think. Um, much better. Even without Rashid Gazal. You know, Nathan Renman a pretty decent performance, I thought, as far as pace and you know exerting himself. Put you know not, no less wonky touches from him, which was good to see. Um, first moment to to, to note, Umut Bozok came on for Abu Kadir Omur, and Enis Bardi came on for Maxi Gomez. So they're mixing things up here, and then a highlight. Uh, Joseph, another, this one worse, in fact, a terrible pass back, almost as bad as the Masuaku one, 
Uh, goes to Bozok, who finds Enes Bardi on the left side of the penalty air box, and Bardi just sends it wide poorly. This time we luck out, but Joseph, you know, terrible back pass, and had that been a goal, he would have, I think more people would realize that he actually had a pretty bad match, unfortunately, in this one. Um, it is what it is. He's our captain. He's been fantastic for us. We all, you know, I, I got his jersey going into the season. You know, I, I thought he'd be a, a key part of anything we were trying to do, but he struggled a little bit. And, and to his defense, you know, it took him a while to come back from an injury, and he's been, you know, in and out of the rotation a bit. But it's been a, it's been a struggle, honestly. He's had some, obviously, some positives, and his effort and his heart are never in question. You know, he's recovered for us a few times well, but you know, far from an ideal start to the season for him, no doubt. Um, Jenk Tosun comes in for Dele Ali in the 67th. Uh, Jetson Fernandes for Sali Uchan. Dele Ali booed by our fans. I, I didn't get it. I thought Dele Ali actually looked pretty good. Honestly. Did he score? No. Um, did he? Was he like flawless? Of course not. But he's getting more and more assertive. He's, he's starting to impact things a little bit more. He's gaining... He's gaining the confidence to sort of like stay on the ball and try things, make runs. I thought he was starting to do that a bit more. Um, I'll talk about his stats actually at the end because I, I want to kind of review his performance. He, he wasn't rated particularly highly, but again, he came out in the 67th. And, you know, these stats are accumulative, so um, that, that would be a big part of why his rating wasn't particularly high. But, you know, I don't know. I thought the criticism was harsh. Um, Jedson for Sally, fine. I think Joseph could have come out. But again, he's putting in a lot of heart and effort. He's this sort of strong defensive guy in a match that we all know Trabzon don't have the ability to score now, uh, having just scored four against Monaco. So, okay, whatever. Anyway, we are rewarded. Just three minutes after Jenk comes on. Uh, Nathan Redmond, by the way, and this is important, worth noting. Oh, my cats are wrestling, so if you hear screeching and whatnot. I'm not abusing animals in the making of this production. They are merely wrestling. Um, sometimes the music covers over these things that I complain about, so I just look like a crazy person. But if you do hear cats screeching in the background, that's there's a wrestling match ongoing. But so yeah, Nathan Redman in the 69th minute. A lovely ball, actually. And I, I note this because it finds the head of Vaghorst. Very nicely, Vagors almost bags the goal he deserved because he put in a ton of effort. Um, you know, people have been bagging on him. I, I called him slow because of the two chances, um, one this week and the one last week that he could have gotten to a little faster. But like, I, I, I try to be clear that like a criticism of one or two plays is not a criticism of the man. Right? Like last week, even with that sort of slowness on the one play, he came back and had a fantastic defensive play that saved us late. So there's nothing, you know. I have no criticism about. And sure enough, he gets onto this one with his head, finds the crossbar, um, it bounces out, and it's Jank Tosin, full of energy as always. It's just hungry for goals. This time he's not outside or anything, so he can actually celebrate it. I mean, he does well. It's a volley. Um, yeah, I mean, kind of turning awkwardly and, and with power into the back of the net. Gives us that second goal, the equalizer he so desperately needed. Uh, yeah, and that was uh, that was really good. 80th minute, Yusuf Yazidji comes on for Marek Hamšik. Manolis Siopis comes on for Anastasios Bakasetas. Siopis is 
Such a whiny little jerk. I really don't like this dude. 85th minute, Jackson Muleka came on for Georges Kevin and Kudu. Uh, a little late with that sub. But that's one that a lot of people have been asking for lately. So you got what you've been asking for, folks. Uh, I, I'm a Muleka guy. Don't. I hope people don't read that as cynicism. Uh, Stefano Dansville comes on for Evren Eren El Mali, who looked injured. He seemed to have been injured in the Monaco match. So I was surprised, surprised he could play in this one. Sure enough, he re-aggravated it late in the game anyhow, but uh, second minute of extra time, Ennis Bardi gets a yellow card, as does Valentin Rosier, uh, as um, does Rashid Ghazal and Cenk Tosun, and Urajan Chakir, and Yusuf Yazidji, who is the one who made the foul, and all of this is arguing and fighting between the ref and everyone. Besiktas players incredulous that Yusuf Yazidji could only get a yellow card for what looked like an egregious, terrible, red-cardable foul. Uh, where he puts the, his cleats into the back of a guy's uh, leg to stop him in the back of Jetson, I believe it was. Clear, like stomping, right? Cl clear red card foul. Sure enough, they look at it on VAR. It, it, is a v it is a red card. I feel like that should erase all the yellows that they gave to our guys for complaining because it's like, yo, what? Like, how are you not gonna... Like, this is such an egregious foul. And they were absolutely correct, it turned out. So... You wish post hoc they could erase a few of those yellows, but whatever. I mean, even for Trabzon, because they were fighting with us in the build-up and telling the ref not to look at it. And anyway, at the end of the day, it's a red card for Yusuf Yaziji that we can't really take advantage of because they don't give us enough extra time after the extra time they've given us, because all this fighting and stuff happens in extra time for the record, right? So we're sort of screwed out of uh, another maybe minute and a half uh, being a man up which could have been decisive, right? At this point, we're the better side pushing anyway, so whatever. It is what it is. Game over, two to two, a draw, which like, it's not good enough for the skeptic, for the cynics and the critics who want Valerie Ismail out, right? Because he's he's drawn against a rival. It's not the worst result. We're still in the race, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But then obviously for folks who support Valerie's mouth, it's also not enough to really sway anyone in their direction. So it, it's like unsatisfactory for everyone. But Besiktas gets a point against a pretty decent side at the end of the day. And uh, plenty to, to fight for uh, going forward. Let's talk some stats. Just to reiterate that Besiktas was in fact a better side. 58% of the ball to Trabzon's 42. An XG of 1.85 to their 1.09. 17 shots to their 10. Seven on target to their four. Five big chances to their three. Four missed to their one. So they were more efficient as far as converting big chances into goals. We had 392 passes completed at an 82% rate versus their 253 completed at a 72% rate. They committed 12 fouls to our 11. Etc. 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 Right? Like we get it. So we were the better side, and it's fairly clear statistically. I know people called it chaos and whatnot. What's interesting is that none of the highlights that I highlighted exhibited that chaos with the with the crazy crossing, the, like errant, flippant. Um, I mean, I guess our second goal actually was a cross, but in the end, it was more the result from that. You know, us pressing forward and having two guys up there with with Jank and Vout Veghorst that that gave us the goal rather than the cross. So. I don't know. 
Now, based on my, you know, what the highlights I deemed worthy of noting, right? And I, I made a point of, of bringing up all of Tribe Zone. I mean, I do that every week, honestly. My, obviously, as a Besiktas podcaster, people would assume I'm biased. But I really do try to find the most clear-cut, like, goal opportunities. What I consider big chances. And obviously, you know, I and Fatmab are not always in agreement because I, I find a few more than them every week. But um, in the end, it was uh, one, two, three, four for Besiktas versus one, two, three, four, five, six for Zone. So Trabzon had more highlight-worthy, you know, moments to bring up. Although ours were the more dangerous, no doubt. Also, so it sort of balanced out. It was it was an even game against between two good teams um, with different strengths, obviously. But what was good to see was us scoring twice at the very least. Um, obviously, you'd hope for more, given that the opponent scored twice as well. But that's just what it is. Now let's talk about individual stats, as I would. Now I'm going to bring up everyone above a 7.0 rating, just to go through who was rated highly in this match, who, who's deemed sort of objectively to have played well. The best performer being Trezegué, who of course scored a goal, uh, was, was quite involved in their play all around. Our highest rated player, Vout Veghorst. Then it's Urjan Chakir. Which is interesting as well. We, we, you know, kept him busy, no doubt. He made quite a number of big saves. So that's what I mentioned. We didn't maybe have as many highlights as them, but we had the better of them. Then you have Anastasios Bakasetas, Marek Hamšik, Jenk Tosun, George Kevin Kudu, Maxi Gomez, Valentin Rosier, Nathan Redmond, who actually, again, great output for such a short stint on the pitch. And then Francisco Montero, the last guy above a seven, the 11th highest rated player. But so, in, uh, of everyone to have, you know, a judge to have had a good game rated above a seven, it's one, two, three, four, five, six Besiktas players, five Trabzon players. Uh, and among those players, central midfielders, right back, Asetas, Hamshik, Urjan, right, their keeper. So, the defense was kept busy. Uh, and they stood the, they stood up to it. They, they, they passed their test in that regard, too. So, you know, credit to our opposition. Uh, but also, for, for the Warriors on our side, it's worth noting, right, that we statistically had the better game. We had more high-performing players than them. Uh, higher XG, more shots, more big chances. Everything went our way, honestly. So I think... Um, people hitting the panic button can still like step back and relax. Now, I was trying to explain this in in the old group chat because a lot, most of the people in our group chat have have completely turned um, um, Val and and, and the, the Val ball as they call it and all that. Um, but so, it's really important to note that like. Right now, we are two points out of first place. And everyone's like, oh, but like Fenerbahce or Basakshir could, they still have a game in hand. Sure, but they play each other next, actually. So if they draw, this remains true that we're still just two points out of first place. If one of them wins, only one of them jumps to four points above us. The other side is very much within reach. Maybe we almost hope for Basakshir, of course. I mean, we never want Fener to do anything well, but 
Obviously, I think Bashakshir is the more reachable side too, talent-wise and everything. So, you know, if Bashakshir wins, it's like, we're... I mean, no matter who wins, no matter what happens, we're very much in the race. And that's why, like... I don't know. You know, people want to just throw... Valerie smile under the bus now and like hit the reset button, hit the panic button. We gotta do something quick before it's too late. I'm not like a huge Val guy, right? Like I don't know enough about what Val wants us to do. I there are parts of it I like. I'm I'm quite pleased with his um you know d defensive output, right? I'm pleased with the fitness aspect. These are foundational things that should he not succeed will benefit us when whoever comes next does come. Um, on top of that, you know, people are like, oh, look at all the, like, the, the average points he brings us at home and stuff like that to sort of discredit him. I'm going to give him all the more credit for the fact that he came here at the end of last season knowing he would probably not get good results because we had a, a quarter of a roster in place, you know, like with three quarters being either injured, outgoing, right, definitely outgoing, or in some controversy with the contract and like they were probably outgoing and most of them did, right, Bachuai and Pjanic and all these, so... Um, I think of it as a credit to him that he came here despite knowing that he was, you know, like, lower his stats, right, and potentially tarnish his image with the chance of getting to know the club, getting to know the few players that were going to be sticking around, and just being more invested in the project long term, right? He kind of took a hit on the personal level to benefit the club long term. And, you know, has it paid off immediately this season? No. But I think it's quite important to note that we have still not seen our best 11. Right, and last week I was talking about how we hadn't because of the attacking unit. And sure enough, we got Gazal back. And even though it was only 45 minutes, still we lacked Romain Sice on the back line. Right, there, there seems to always be some missing piece. And Montero played well, right? Obviously this time it was a couple brain farts and everything. And, and just not quite enough going forward. But still, right, when we needed it in that second half, a, we got back into the game and leveled it. But B, we were lacking Rashid Gizal. Um, a huge piece. Before that, Dele Ali, right? He, he's been in and out with injuries, right? So, like, everyone is now, had, like, now they've been with the team long enough, training with the team long enough. They could be settling. Ideally, they'll stay healthy and the team will start to gel and attack. So, hopefully, you know, as the players are more comfortable and settled, we'll start to see a better output, right? That's that's the hope. And obviously, I'm sure that's what Valerian Ismail is hoping for. I, I doubt that he's, like, thoroughly pleased with what we've put out there in that sense. But so, you know, that's, that's all. You know, I think people panicking, oh, we have to do this now or it'll be too late. Like, look, we're very much in the thick of it. Let me talk about standings really quickly because that's where we are on the podcast. Anyway, right now, first place is Adana Demirspor with 21 points. 10 games played. Second place, Fener, nine points, or nine games played rather, 20 points. Bashakshi here also nine games played, 20 points. Then us, also we've played 10 games with 19 points. So we are one point behind Bashakshi and Fener, and two points behind Adana Demir. If Fener and Bashakshi here draw, we'll be two points behind them rather than one. Uh, if one of them wins, we'll remain just one point behind one of them, and we'll be four points behind one of those sides. So still two points out of second place, but just four points out of first, and obviously we can make that up, most of that up, in just the one, where I just beat them on the flip side of the schedule. 
Um, but so then, yeah, uh, fifth place, Konyaspor, 18 points. Sixth place, Trabzonspor, also 18 points. Seventh place, Galatasaray with 17 points. They can have 20 points. They have a game in hand as well. So they could be one point ahead of us. Uh, then you have Kayseri with 16, Gaziantep with 15. At the, on the flip side, on the bottom of the table, you have Umranie with three points, favorites to go down right now. Then Hatay with seven points, Ankara Guju with seven points, and Antalya Spor with seven points, still struggling. Istanbul Spor and Girisun each have eight, with Fatih Karagumruk with nine, and Sivas Spor with ten points. So uh, Sivas within three points of the relegation zone. And a lot of, um, you know, Fatih Karagumruk in Istanbul. Istanbul's team's going down. Hopefully we can have less Istanbul in the league next year, honestly. But so that's it for the table. And the reason I say that is like we're potentially two points out of first place when, when every side has played ten matches. Maybe four points behind one side. To hit the panic button, to say, oh my god, if we don't do something now, it's going to be too late. That's nonsense. Any new coach, like if, if we fall like seven points out of first place, let's say, with, you know, come January and we have to make the, the move and replace Valerian Ismail. Like, seven points is not insurmountable. I, I don't... Most of the years we've won the championship, we've, we've trailed by about that at some point in the season. And usually it's an early poor start, you know? So, this isn't even by any stretch, like, our worst start. So I think people are freaking out and, and a little reactionary, maybe emotional. It's been a long couple of years. COVID. Uh, we won a championship and then fell way off, right? Like, disappointment, heartbreak. But look, that doesn't mean we have to be so reactionary and, and uh, illogical about things. Um, worst case, we make that move in January and the next coach still has plenty of time. I doubt, we'll, like, if we're at risk of falling out of the table, that's when you make the move. But we're literally not there right now. Um... Especially when you look at, look, our upcoming matches. Hatay on the road. I just mentioned Hatay is in the relegation zone. Umranie at home. Right, those are our next two matches. If we get six points there, the table looks quite different already, I'm sure. Especially, like I said, Fener is playing Pashakshi here. Whatever, I don't want to just even go too far into it. Obviously, our, our big match next is going to be Saturday, November 5th at Galatasaray. Then after that, we're hosting Antalya, who's had a terrible start. Terrible start. Then Gaziantep. So I mean, these next five matches, with the exception of Galatasaray, could totally turn everything around. And if we have a ton of points from there, I think people will chill out. You know, if we win three out of these next four, and you know, maybe we draw Galatasaray, we're probably looking quite solid in the table going into that World Cup break. So I don't know. You can panic if you want, I guess. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not panicked. I don't think we need to overreact. Obviously, like, we have some question marks. And now, you know, if there is a really good plan, you know, if we know of a coach who wants to come here and he can present a plan that he knows, like, this is our current situation and this is what we need to do, and if we do that, we'll, we'll get better results. You know, if they have a clear idea, yeah, okay. Let's make the move, I guess. You know, that's how, I, that's how much I'm not, like, a Val guy. You know, again, if someone comes up with a better plan, you always have to be flexible. You always have to be able to move on your toes. But we can't just react uh, like out of panic, out of out of fear, right? That's never the, the place you need to be making decisions from. 
And I think, you know, if you just make a decision to, to change for the sake of change, rather than because there's this situation that's better, that, that's been presented to us, and this will get us in a better place, there's no need to make that move at all. That's my opinion. Better to be sort of calculating and intelligent and maybe a little slower than reactionary and emotional and potentially self-destructing with any sort of negative spell. And again, we're, we're not out of anything. So, I don't know. That's my stance on things. If you don't agree, it's fine. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Keep being stressed. Um, and I, of course, I'm stressed on match day just like the rest of us too. But uh, anyhow, next match on the road against Hatai, Monday, October 24th. We have a few days to relax and wait for this one. We'll see our opponents play first. Uh, but yeah, 1 p.m. here in New York City. Check your local listings as always. Follow us on Instagram, where we will, of course, keep the content coming. Um, at Eagles underscore podcast. Uh, or on, sorry, that was uh, Twitter. On Instagram, it's Black Eagles Podcast. One word. And of course, follow myself on Twitter. At Sir underscore writes underscore a lot. Um, on that note... Let's hope for the best. Let's not freak out. And let's go, Bashington! Peace out, everybody. Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.